CD4 I seem to recall she come over and helped you out when you had that spot of plague in your village, she said. Worked the clock around, I recall. Never known her not treat someone ill who needed it, even when they, you know, were pretty oozy. And when the big old troll that lives under Broken Mountain came down here for help because his wife was sick and everyone threw rocks at him, I remember it was Esme that went back with him and delivered the baby. Hmm. Then when old Chicken Wire Hopkins threw a rock at Esme, a little while afterwards all his barns was mysteriously trampled flat in the night. She always said you can't help people with magic, but you can help them with skin by doing real things, she meant. I'm not saying she's not basically a nice person, Magrat began. <laughs> I am. You'd have to go a long day's journey to find someone basically nastier than Esme, said Nanny Og. And this is me saying it. She knows exactly what she is. She was born to be good, and she don't like it. Nanny tapped her pipe out on the rail and turned back to the saloon. What you've got to understand about Esme, my girl, she said, is that she's got a psychology as well as a big ego. I'm damn glad I ain't. Granny was twelve dollars ahead. Everything else in the saloon had stopped. You could hear the distant splash of the paddles and the cry of the leadman. Granny won another five dollars with a three-card onion. What do you mean, a psychology? said Magret. Have you been reading books? Nanny ignored her. The thing to watch out for now, she said, is when she goes under her breath. That comes after the ear cleaning. It generally means she's planning something. Mr Frank drummed his fingers on the table, realised to his horror that he was doing it, and brought three new cards to cover his confusion. The old baggage didn't appear to notice. He stared at the new hand. He ventured two dollars and bought one more card. He stared again. What were the odds, he thought, against getting a great onion twice in one day? The important thing was not to panic. Mm, I think, he heard himself say, that I may hazard another two dollars. He glanced at his companions. They obediently folded one after the other. Well, I don't know, said Granny, apparently talking to her cards. She cleaned her ear again. Ah, what do you call it when, you know, um, when you want to put more money in, sort of thing? It's called raising, said Mr Frank, his knuckles going white. Uh, I'll do one of those raisings, then. Uh, five dollars, I think. Mr Frank's knees ground together. I'll see you and raise you ten dollars, he snapped. I'll do that too, said Granny. I can go another twenty dollars. I... Granny looked down, suddenly crestfallen. I've got a broomstick. A tiny alarm bell rang somewhere at the back of Mr Frank's mind. But now he was galloping headlong to victory. Right. He spread the cards on the table. The crowd sighed. He began to pull the pot towards him. Granny's hand closed over his wrist. I ain't put my cards down yet, she said archly. You don't need to, snapped Mr Frank. There's no chance you could beat that, madam. 
I can if I can cripple it, said Granny. That's why it's called Cripple Mr Onion, ain't it? He hesitated. Mm, but, er, uh, but you could only do that if you had a perfect nine-card run, he burbled, staring into the depths of her eyes. Granny sat back. You know, she said calmly, I thought I had rather a lot of these black pointy ones. That's good, is it? She spread the hand. The collective audience made a sort of little gasping noise in unison. Mr. Frank looked around wildly. Oh, very well done, madam, said an elderly gentleman. There was a round of polite applause from the crowd, the big, inconvenient crowd. Ah, uh, yes, said Mr. Frank. Uh, yes, well done. You're a very quick learner, aren't you? Quicker than you. You owe me fifty-five dollars and a broomstick, said Granny. Magrat and Nanny Og were waiting for her as she swept out. Here's your broom, she snapped, and I hope you've got all your stuff together because we're leaving. Why? said Magrat, because as soon as it gets quiet, some men are going to come looking for us. They scurried after her towards their tiny cabin. You weren't using magic, said Magrat. No. And not cheating, said Nanny Og. No, just headology, said Granny. Where did you learn to play like that? Nanny demanded. Granny stopped. They cannoned into her. Remember last winter when old Mother Dismas was taken really bad and I went up and sat up with her every night for almost a month? Yes. You sit up every night dealing crippled Mr Onion with someone who's got a detached retina in a second sight and you soon learn how to play, said Granny. Dear Jason and everyone, what you get more of in foreign parts is smells. I am getting good at them. Esme is shouting at everyone. I think she thinks they're being foreign just to spite her. Don't know when I last saw her enjoy herself so much. Mind you, they need a good shaking up if you ask me. For lunch, we stopped somewhere and they did steak tartare. And they acted very snooty just because I wanted mine well done. All the best, Mum. The moon was closer here. The orbit of the Discworld's moon meant that it was quite high when it passed over the high ram-tops. Here, nearer to the rim, it was bigger and more orange. Like a pumpkin, said Nanny Og. I thought we said we weren't going to mention pumpkins, said Magrat. Well, we didn't have any supper, said Nanny. And there was another thing. Except during the height of summer, the witches weren't used to warm nights. It didn't seem right, gliding along under a big orange moon over dark foliage that clicked and buzzed and whirred with insects. We must be far enough from the river now, said Magrat. Can't we land, Granny? No one could have followed us. Granny Weatherwax looked down. The river in this countryside meandered in huge, glistening curves, taking twenty miles to cover five. The land between the snaking water was a patchwork of hillsides and woodlands. A distant glow might have been genuine itself. Riding a broomstick all night is a right pain in the itinerant, said Nanny. Oh, all right. There's a town over there, said Magrat, and a castle. Oh, not another one. It's a nice little castle, said Magrat. Can't we just call in? I'm fed up with inns. Granny looked down. She had very good night vision. Are you sure that's a castle, she said. 
I can see the turrets and everything, said Magrat. Of course it's a castle. Hmm, I can see more than turrets, said Granny. I think we'd better have a look at this, Githa. There was never any noise in the sleeping castle, except in the late summer when ripe berries fell off the bramble vines and burst softly on the floor. And sometimes birds would try to nest in the thorn thickets that now filled the throne room from floor to ceiling. But they never got very far before they too fell asleep. Apart from that, you'd need very keen hearing indeed to hear the growth of shoots and the opening of buds. It had been like this for ten years. There was no sound in the Open up there! Borny fiery travellers seeking succour. No sound in the Here, yeah, give us a leg up, Magret. Right, now. There was a tinkle of broken glass. You've broken their window. Not a sound in the... You'll have to offer to pay for it, you know. The castle gate swung open slowly. Nanny Og peered around it at the other two witches while pulling thorns and burrs from her hair. It's bloody disgusting in here, she said. There's people asleep all over the place with spiders' webs all over them. You were right, Esme. There's been magic going on. The witches pushed their way through the overgrown castle. Dust and leaves had covered the carpets. Young sycamores were making a spirited attempt to take over the courtyard. Vines festooned every wall. Granny Weatherwax pulled a slumbering soldier to his feet. Dust billowed off his clothes. Wake up, she demanded. <sighs> said the soldier and slumped back. It's like that everywhere, said Magrat, fighting her way through a thicket of bracken that was growing up from the kitchen regions. There's the cooks all snoring and nothing but mould in the pots. There's even mice asleep in the pantry. Hmm, said Granny. There'll be a spinning wheel at the bottom of all this, you mark my words. A black Alice job, said Nanny Og. Looks like it, said Granny. Then she added quietly, or someone like her. Now there was a witch who knew how stories worked said Nanny. She used to be in as many as three of them at once. Even Magrat knew about Black Alice. She was said to have been the greatest witch who ever lived. Not exactly bad, but so powerful it was sometimes hard to tell the difference. When it came to sending palaces to sleep for a hundred years, or getting princesses to spin straw into glod, uh, Black Alice wasn't very good with words either. They had to give him quite a lot of money to go away and not make a scene. No one did it better than Black Alice. I met her once, said Nanny, as they climbed the castle's main staircase, which was a cascade of old man's trousers. Old Deliria Skibley took me to see her once when I was a girl. Of course, she was getting pretty eccentric by then. Gingerbread houses, that kind of thing. She spoke sadly, as one might talk about an elderly relative who'd taken to wearing her underwear outside her clothes. That must have been before those two children shut her up in her own oven said Magrat, untangling her sleeve from a briar. Yeah, sad that. I mean, she didn't really ever eat anyone, said Nanny. Well, not often. I mean, there was talk, but... Uh... That's what happens, said Granny. You get too involved with stories, you get confused. You don't know what's really real and what isn't. And they get you in the end. They send you weird in the head. I don't like stories. They're not real. I don't like things that ain't real. She pushed open a door. Ah, a chamber, she said sourly. Could even be a bower. Doesn't the stuff grow quickly, said Magrat. 
part of the time spell, said Granny. Ah, oh, there she is, knew there'd be someone somewhere. There was a figure lying on a bed in a thicket of rose bushes. And there's the spinning wheel, said Nanny, pointing to a shape just visible in a clump of ivy. Don't touch it, said Granny. Don't worry, I'll pick it up by the treadle and pitch it out the window. How do you know all this, said Magrat. "'Cause it's a rural myth,' said Nanny. "'It's happened lots of times.' Granny Weatherwax and Magrat looked down at the sleeping figure of a girl of about thirteen, almost silvery under the dust and pollen. "'Oh, isn't she pretty?' sighed Magrat, the generous-hearted. From behind them came the crash of a spinning wheel on some distant cobbles, and then Nanny Og appeared, brushing her hands. "'Seen it happen a dozen times,' she said. "'No, you ain't,' said Granny. "'Once, anyway,' said Nanny, unabashed, "'and I heard about it dozens of times. Everyone has. "'Rural myth, like I said. "'Everyone's heard about it happening in their cousin's friend's neighbour's village.' "'That's because it does,' said Granny. "'Granny picked up the girl's wrist. "'She's asleep because she'll have got a... "'Nanny said. "'Granny turned. "'I know, I know, I know, right? "'I know as well as you do. "'You think I don't know?' She bent over the limp hand. That's fairy godmothering, this is, she added, half to herself. Always do it impressively, always meddling, always trying to be in control. Heh! <laughs> Someone got a bit of poison, send everyone to sleep for a hundred years, do it the easy way, all this for one prick, as if that was the end of the world. She paused. Nanny Og was standing behind her. There was no possible way she could have detected her expression. Githa! Yes, Esme? said Nanny Og innocently. I can feel you grinning. You can save the tuppney eightney psychololology for them that wants it. Granny shut her eyes and muttered a few words. Shall I use my wand? said Magrat hesitantly. Don't you dare, said Granny, and went back to her muttering. Nanny nodded. She's definitely getting a bit of colour back, she said. A few minutes later, the girl opened her eyes and stared up blearily at Granny Weatherwax. Time to get up said Granny, in an unusually cheerful voice. You're missing the best part of the decade. The girl tried to focus on Nanny, then on Magrat, and then looked back at Granny Weatherwax. You, she said. Granny raised her eyebrows and looked at the other two. Me? You are still here? Still? said Granny. Never been here before in my life, miss. But... The girl looked bewildered, and frightened, Magrat noticed. "'I'm like that myself in the mornings, dear,' said Nanny Og, taking the girl's other hand and patting it. "'Never at me best till I've had a cup of tea. I expect everyone else will be waking up any minute. Of course, it'll take em a while to clean the rats' nests out of the kettles. Esme?' Granny was staring at a dust-covered shape on the wall. "'Meddling,' she whispered. "'What's up, Esme?' Granny Weatherwax strode across the room and wiped the dust off a huge, ornate mirror. Ha! she said, and spun round. We'll be going now, she said. But I thought we were going to have a rest. I mean, it's nearly dawn, said Magrat. No sense in outstaying our welcome, said Granny as she left the room. But we haven't even had a... Magrat began. She glanced at the mirror. It was a big oval one, in a gilt frame. It looked perfectly normal. It wasn't like Granny Weatherwax to be frightened of her own reflection. She's in one of her moods again, 
said Nanny Og. Come on, no sense in staying here. She patted the bewildered princess on the head. Cheerio, miss. Couple of weeks with a broom and an axe, and you'll soon have the old place looking like new. She looked as if she recognised Granny, said Magrat, as they followed the stiff, hurrying figure of Esme Weatherwax down the stairs. Well, we know she doesn't, don't we? said Nanny Og. Esme has never been in these parts in her life. But I still don't see why we have to rush off, Magrat persisted. I expect people will be jolly grateful that we've broken the spell and everything. The rest of the palace was waking up. They jogged past guards, staring in amazement at their cobwebbed uniforms and the bushes that were growing everywhere. As they crossed the forested courtyard, an older man in faded robes staggered out of a doorway and leaned against the wall, trying to get his bearings. Then he saw the accelerating figure of Granny Weatherwax. Yo! he shouted, and guards! Nanny Og didn't hesitate. She snatched Magret's elbow and broke into a run, catching up with Granny Weatherwax at the castle gates. A guard, who was better at mornings than his colleague, staggered forward and made an attempt to bar their way with his pike, but Granny just pushed at it and swivelled him around gently. Then they were outside and running for the broomsticks, leaning against a convenient tree. Granny snatched at hers without stopping, and for once it fired up on almost the first attempt. An arrow whiffled past her hat and stuck in a branch. I don't call that gratitude, said Magrat as the brooms glided up and over the trees. A lot of people are never their best just after waking up, said Nanny. Everyone seemed to think they knew you, Granny, said Magrat. Granny's broomstick jerked in the wind. They didn't, she shouted. They never saw me before, all right? They flew on in a troubled silence for a while. Then Magrat, who in Nanny Og's opinion had an innocent talent for treading on dangerous ground, said... I wonder if we did the right thing. I'm sure it was a job for a handsome prince. Eh, said Granny, who was riding ahead. And what good would that be? Cutting your way through a bit of bramble is how you can tell he's going to be a good husband, is it? That's fairy godmotherly thinking, that is. Going around inflicting happy endings on people whether they want them or not, eh? There's nothing wrong with happy endings, said Magrat, hotly. Listen! "'Happy endings is fine if they turn out happy,' said Granny, glaring at the sky. "'But you can't make them for other people. "'Like the only way you could make a happy marriage is by cutting the reds off as soon as they say I do. "'Yes? You can't make happiness.' "'Granny Weatherwax stared at the distant city. "'All you can do,' she said, "'is make an ending.' "'They had breakfast in a forest clearing.' It was grilled pumpkin. The dwarf bread was brought out for inspection. But it was miraculous, the dwarf bread. No one ever went hungry when they had some dwarf bread to avoid. You only had to look at it for a moment, and instantly you could think of dozens of things you'd rather eat. Your boots, for example. Mountains, raw sheep, your own foot. Then they tried to get some sleep. At least Nanny and Magrat did. But all it meant was that they lay awake and listened to Granny Weatherwax muttering under her breath. They'd never seen her so upset. Afterwards, Nanny suggested that they walk for a while. It was a nice day, she said. This was an interesting kind of forest, she said, with lots of new herbs which could do with being looked at. Everyone would feel better for a stroll in the sunshine, she said. It would improve their tempers. And it was indeed a nice forest. After half an hour or so, even Granny Weatherwax was prepared to admit that in certain respects it wasn't totally foreign and shoddy. Magrat wandered off the path occasionally picking flowers, Nanny even sang a few verses of A Wizard's Staff Has a Knob on the End, with no more than a couple of token protests from the other two. 
but there was still something wrong. Nanny Og and Magrat could feel something between them and Granny Weatherwax, some sort of mental wall, something important deliberately hidden and unsaid. Witches usually had few secrets from one another, if only because they were all so nosy that there was never any chance to have secrets. It was worrying. And then they turned a corner by a stand of huge oak trees and met the little girl in the red cloak. She was skipping along in the middle of the path, singing a song that was simpler and a good deal cleaner than any in Nanny Og's repertoire. She didn't see the witches until she was almost on top of them. She stopped and then smiled innocently. "'Hello, old woman,' she said. <clears throat> said Magrat. Granny Weatherwax bent down. "'What are you doing out in the forest all by yourself, young lady?' "'I'm taking this basket of goodies to my granny,' said the girl. Granny straightened up, a faraway look in her eyes. "'Esme,' said Nanny Og urgently. "'I know, I know,' said Granny. Magrat leaned down and set her face in the idiot grimace generally used by adults who love to be good with children and don't stand a dog's chance of ever achieving it. "'Um, tell me, miss, did your mother tell you to watch out for any bad wolves that might happen to be in the vicinity?' "'That's right.' "'And your granny?' said Nanny Og. I guess she's a bit bed-bound at the moment, right? That's why I'm taking her this basket of goodies, the child began. Thought so. Do you know my granny? said the child. Yes, said Granny Weatherwax. In a way. It happened over Scundway when I was a girl, said Nanny Og quietly. They never even found the gran... "'And where is your granny's cottage, little girl?' said Granny Weatherwax loudly, nudging Nanny sharply in the ribs. The girl pointed up a side-track. "'You're not the Wicked Witch, are you?' she said. Nanny Og coughed. "'Me? No, we're, um, we're, um, Granny began. "'Fairies,' said Magrat. Granny Weatherwax's mouth dropped open. Such an explanation would never have occurred to her.' "'Only my mummy warned me about the Wicked Witch, too,' said the girl. She gave Magrat a sharp look. "'What kind of fairies?' "'Um, flower fairies,' said Magrat. "'Look, I've got a wand.' "'Which ones?' "'Um, what?' "'Which flowers?' "'Uh,' said Magrat. "'Well, I'm, um, fairy tulip.' And that's, she avoided looking directly at Granny, Fairy Daisy, and this is Fairy Hedgehog, said Nanny Og. This addition to the supernatural pantheon was given due consideration. You can't be a fairy hedgehog, said the child after some thought. A hedgehog's not a flower. How do you know? Cause it's got spikes. So's holly and thistles. Oh, "'And I've got a wand,' said Magrat. "'Only now did she risk her look at Fairy Daisy.' "'And we ought to be getting along,' said Granny Weatherwax. "'You just stay here with Fairy Tulip, I think it was, "'and we'll just go and make sure your Granny's all right. "'All right?' "'I bet it's not a real wand,' said the child, ignoring her, "'and facing Magrat with a child's unerring ability "'to find a weak link in any chain. "'I bet it can't turn things into things.' "'Well,' Magrat began. I bet, said the girl, I bet you can't turn that tree stump over there into, into, into a pumpkin. 
Ha ha, bet you anything you can't. Bet you a trillion dollars that you can't turn that stump into a pumpkin. I can see the two of you are going to get along fine, said Fairy Hedgehog. We won't be long. Two broomsticks skimmed low above the forest path. Could be just a coincidence, said Nanny Og. Taint, said Granny. The child even had a red cloak on. I had a red cloak when I was fifteen, said Nanny. Yes, but your Granny lived next door. You didn't have to worry about wolves when you visited her, said Granny. Except old Sumpkins the lodger. Yes, but that was just a coincidence. A trail of blue smoke drifted among the trees ahead of them. Somewhere away to one side there was the sound of a falling tree. Woodcutters, said Nanny. It's all right if there's woodcutters. One of them rushes in and... and... That's only what children get told, said Granny as they sped onwards. Anyway, that's no good to the grandmother, is it? She's already been at. I always hated that story, said Nanny. No one ever cares what happens to the poor defenceless old women. The path vanished abruptly on the edge of a glade. Hemmed in by the trees was a straggly kitchen garden in which a few pathetic storks fought for what little sun there was. In the middle of the garden was what had to be a thatched cottage because no one would build a haystack that badly. They leapt off the broomsticks, leaving them to drift to a halt in the bushes, and hammered on the cottage door. We could be too late, said Nanny. The wolf might... Uh... After a while, there was the muffled sound of someone shuffling across the floor within, and then the door opened a crack. A suspicious eye was visible in the gloom. Yes, said a small and quavering voice from somewhere beneath the eye. Are you grandmother? Granny Weatherwax demanded. Are you the tax gatherers, dear? No, ma'am. We're, um... Fairies, said Fairy Hedgehog quickly. I don't open the door to people I don't know, dear, said the voice, and then it took on a slightly petulant tone, especially people who never does the washing up even after I leaves out a bowl of nearly fresh milk for them. We'd like to talk to you for a few minutes, said Fairy Daisy. Yes. Have you got any identification, dear? I know we've got the right grandmother said Fairy Hedgehog. There's a family likeness. She's got big ears. Look, it's not her that's got the big ears, snapped Fairy Daisy. It'll be the wolf that's got the big ears. That's the whole point. Don't you ever pay attention? The grandmother watched them with interest. After a lifetime of believing in them, she was seeing fairies for the first time, and it was an experience. Granny Weatherwax caught her perplexed expression. Put it like this, ma'am she said in a despotically reasonable tone of voice. How would you like to be eaten alive by a wolf? Um, I don't think I'd like that, dear, no, said the hidden grandmother. The alternative's us, said Granny. Lorks, are you sure? On our word, as fairies, said Fairy Hedgehog. Well, er, uh, really... All right, you can come in, but none of your tricks, and mind you do the washing up. You haven't got a pot of gold about you, have you? That's pixies, isn't it? No, they're the ones in wells. It's goblins, she means. Don't be daft, they're the ones you get under the bridges. That's trolls. Everyone knows that's trolls. Well, well, not us, anyway. Oh, said the grandmother. I might have known. 
Magrat liked to think she was good with children, and worried that she wasn't. She didn't like them very much and worried about this too. Nanny Og seemed to be effortlessly good with children by alternately and randomly giving them either a sweet or a thick ear, while Granny Weatherwax ignored them for most of the time, and that seemed to work just as well. Whereas Magrat cared. It didn't seem fair. "'Bet you a million, trillion, zillion dollars you can't turn that bush into a pumpkin,' said the child. "'But, uh, look, all the others got turned into pumpkins,' Magrat pointed out. "'It's bound not to work sooner or later,' said the child placidly. Magrat looked helplessly at the wand. She tried everything, wishing, sub-vocalising, and even when she thought the other witches were out of earshot, banging it against things and shouting, "'Anything but pumpkins!' "'You don't know how to do it, really, do you?' stated the child. "'Tell me,' said Magrat, "'you said your mummy knows about the big bad wolf in the woods, didn't you?' "'That's right. "'But nevertheless, she sent you out by yourself "'to take those goodies to your granny.' "'That's right. Why?' "'Nothing. "'Just thinking. "'And you owe me a million, trillion, zillion, squillion dollars.' "'There's a certain... Freemasonry about grandmothers, with the added benefit that no one has to stand on one leg or recite any oaths in order to join. Once inside the cottage, and with the kettle on the boil, Nanny Og was quite at home. Grebo stretched out in front of the meagre fire and dozed off as the witches tried to explain. "'I don't see how a wolf can get in here, dear,' said the grandmother kindly. "'I mean, they're wolves. They can't open doors.' Granny Weatherwax twitched aside a rag of curtain and glared out at the clearing. "'We know,' she said. Nanny Og nodded towards the little bed in an alcove by the fireplace. "'Is that where you always sleep?' she said. "'When I'm feeling poorly, dear, other times I sleeps in the attic.' "'I should get along up there now if I was you, and take my cat up with you, will you? "'We don't want him getting in the way.' "'Is this the bit where you clean the house and do all the washing for a saucer of milk?' said the grandmother, hopefully. "'Could be. You never know.' "'Funny, dear. I, I was expecting you to be shorter.' "'We get out in the fresh air a lot,' said Nanny. "'Off you go now.' That left the two of them. Granny Weatherwax looked around the cave-like room. The rushes on the floor were well on the way to compost hood. Soot encrusted the cobwebs on the ceiling.' The only way the housework could be done in this place was with a shovel, or for preference, a match. Funny, really, said Nanny, when the old woman had climbed the rickety stairs. She's younger than me. Mind you, I take exercise. You never took exercise in your life, said Granny Weatherwax, still watching the bushes. You never did anything you didn't want to do. That's what I mean, said Nanny happily. Look, Esme, I still say this could all be just it ain't. I can feel the story. Someone's been making stories happen in these parts. I know it. And you know who, too, don't you, Esme? said Nanny slyly. She saw Granny look around wildly at the grubby walls. I reckon she's too poor to afford a mirror, said Nanny. I ain't blind, Esme, and I know mirrors and fairy godmothers go together. So, what's going on? I ain't saying... I don't want to look a fool if I'm wrong. I am not going to... There's something coming. Nanny Og pressed her nose against the dirty window. Can't see anything. The bushy's moved. Get into the bed. Me? 
I thought it was you who was going into the bed. Can't imagine why you'd think that. No, no, come to think of it, neither can I, said Nanny wearily. She picked up the floppy mob cap from the bedpost, put it on, and slid under the patchwork quilt. Here, this mattress is stuffed with straw. You won't have to lie on it for long. It prickles, and I think there's, there's things in it. Something bumped against the wall of the house. The witches fell silent. There was a snuffling noise under the back door. You know, whispered Nanny as they waited, the sculler is terrible. There's no firewood, there's hardly any food, and there's a jug of milk that's practically on the march. Granny sidled quickly across the room to the fireplace and then back to her station by the front door. After a moment, there was a scrabbling at the latch, as if it was being operated by someone who was unfamiliar either with doors or with fingers. The door creaked open slowly. There was an overwhelming smell of musk and wet fur. Uncertain footsteps tottered across the floor and towards the figure huddling under the bedclothes. Nanny raised the mob cap's floppy frill just enough to see out. Watcher, she said, and then, Oh, blimey, I never realised you had teeth that big. Granny Weatherwax pushed the door shut and stepped forward briskly. The wolf spun around, a paw raised protectively. No! Granny hesitated for a second and then hit it very hard on the head with a cast-iron frying pan. The wolf crumpled. Nanny Og swung her legs out of the bed. When it happened over Scundway, they said it was a werewolf or something, and I thought, no, werewolves aren't like that, she said. I never thought it was a real wolf. Gave me quite a turn, that. Real wolves don't walk on their hind legs and open doors, said Granny Weatherwax. Come on, help me get it outside. Took me right back, seeing a great big airy slathering thing heading towards me, said Nanny, picking up one end of the stunned creature. Did you ever meet old Sumpkins? It was indeed a normal-looking wolf, except that it was a lot thinner than most. Ribs showed plainly under the skin and the fur was matted. Granny hauled a bucket of cloudy water from the well next to the privy and poured it over its head. Then she sat down on a tree stump and watched it carefully. A few birds sang high in the branches. It spoke, she said. It tried to say no. I wondered about that, said Nanny. Then I thought maybe I was imagining things. No point in imagining anything, said Granny. Things are bad enough as they are. The wolf groaned. Granny handed the frying pan to Nanny Og. After a while she said, I think I'm going to have a look inside its head. Nanny Og shook her head. Ah, I wouldn't do that if I was you. I'm the one who's me and I've got to know. Just you stand by with the frying pan. Nanny shrugged. Granny concentrated. It is very difficult to read a human mind. Most humans are thinking about so many things at any given moment that it is almost impossible to pick out one stream in the flood. Animal minds are different, far less cluttered. Carnivore minds are easiest of all, especially before meals. Colours don't exist in the mental world, but if they did, a hungry carnivore mind would be hot and purple and sharp as an arrow. And herbivore minds are simple too, coiled silver springs poised for flight. But this wasn't any kind of normal mind. It was two minds. Granny had sometimes picked up the mind of hunters in the forest when she was sitting quietly of an evening and letting her mind wander. Just occasionally they felt like this. 
or at least like a faint shadow of this. Just occasionally when the hunter was about to make a kill, the random streams of thought came together. But this was different. This was the opposite. This was cracked and crippled attempts at cogitation peeling away from the sleek arrowhead of a predatory intent. This was a predatory mind trying to think. No wonder it was going mad. She opened her eyes. Nanny Og held the frying pan over her head. Her arm trembled. Well, she said, who's there? I could do with a glass of water, said Granny. Natural caution surfaced through the turmoil of her mind. Only not out of that well, mind you. Nanny relaxed a little. When a witch started rummaging in someone else's mind, you could never be sure who was coming back. But Granny Weatherwax was the best. Magrat might always be trying to find herself, but Granny didn't even understand the idea of the search. If she couldn't find the way back to her own head, there wasn't a path. There's that milk in the cottage, Nanny volunteered. What colour was it again? Well, still fairly white. OK. When Nanny Og's back was safely turned, Granny permitted herself a small shudder. She stared at the wolf, wondering what she could do for it. A normal wolf wouldn't enter a cottage, even if it could open the door. Wolves didn't come near humans at all, except if there were a lot of them and it was the end of a very hard winter. And they didn't do that because they were big and bad and wicked, but because they were wolves. This wolf was trying to be a human. There was probably no cure. Here's your milk, said Nanny Og. Granny reached up and took it without looking. Someone made this wolf think it was a person, she said. They made it think it was a person, and then they didn't think any more about it. It happened a few years ago. How do you know? I've got its memories, said Granny, and instincts too, she thought. She knew it'd be some days before she'd stop wanting to chase sledges over the snow. Oh! It's stuck between species, in its head. Can we help it? said Nanny. Granny shook her head. It's gone on for too long. It's habit now, and it's starving. It can't go one way, it can't go the other. It can't act like a wolf, and it can't manage being a human. And it can't go on like it is. She turned to face Nanny for the first time. Nanny took a step back. You can't imagine how it feels, she said. Wandering around for years, not capable of acting human and not able to be a wolf. You can't imagine how that feels. I reckon maybe I can, said Nanny. In your face, maybe I can. Who do that to a creature? I've got my suspicions. They looked around. Magrat was approaching with the child. Beside them walked one of the woodcutters. Eh, said Granny. Yes, of course, there's always got to be, she spat the words, a happy ending. A paw tried to grip her ankle. Granny Weatherwax looked down into the wolf's face. Please, it growled. An ending. Now. She knelt down and took the paw. Yes, she said. Yes. She stood up again, all authority, and beckoned to the approaching trio. Mr. Woodcutter, she said, a job for you. The woodcutter never understood why the wolf laid its head on the stump so readily, or why the old woman, the one in whom anger roiled like a pearl barley in a bubbling stew, insisted afterwards that it be buried properly instead of skinned and thrown in the bushes. She'd been very insistent about that. 
And that was the end of the big bad wolf. It was an hour later. Quite a few of the woodcutters had wandered up to the cottage, where there seemed to be a lot of interesting activity going on. Woodcutting is not a job that normally offers much in the way of diversion. Magrat was washing the floor with as much magical assistance as could be afforded by a bucket of soapy water and a scrubbing brush. Even Nanny Og, whose desultory interest in the proud role of housewife had faded completely just as soon as her eldest daughter was old enough to hold a duster, was cleaning the walls. The old grandmother, who wasn't entirely in touch with events, was anxiously following both of them around with a saucer of milk. Spiders, who had inherited the ceiling for generations, were urged gently but firmly out of the door. And Granny Weatherwax was walking around the clearing with the head woodcutter, a barrel-chested man who clearly thought he looked better in his studded leather wristlets than was in fact the case. "'It's been around for years, right?' he said. "'Always lurking around the edges of villages and that.' "'And you never tried talking to it?' "'Talk to it? It's a wolf, right? And you don't talk to wolves. Animals can't talk.' Hmm, I see. And what about the old woman? There's a lot of you woodcutters. Did you ever, you know, did you ever drop in to see her? Huh. No fear. Why? The head woodcutter leaned forward conspiratorially. Well, they say she's a witch, right? Really, said Granny. How do you know? She's got all the signs, right? What signs are those? The woodcutter was pricked by a slight uneasiness. Well, she's... She lives all by herself in the wood, right? Yes. And... And she's got a hook nose and she's always muttering to herself. Yes. And she's got no teeth, right? Lorks, said Granny. I can see where you wouldn't want to be having with the likes of her, right? Right, said the woodcutter, relieved. Quite likely turn you into just about anything as soon as look at you, right? Granny stuck her finger in her ear and twiddled it reflectively. They can do that, you know. I bet they can, I bet they can, said Granny. Makes me glad there's all you big strong lads around. Can I have a look at your chopper, young man? He handed over his axe. Granny sagged dramatically as she grasped it. There were still traces of wolf blood on the blade. Deary me, it's a big one, she said. And you're good with this, I expect. Mm. Won the silver belt two years running at the Forest Rebels, said the woodcutter proudly. Two years running? Two years running, Lorks, that is good. That's, that's very good. And here's me hardly able to lift it. Granny grasped the axe in one hand and swung it inexpertly. The woodcutter jumped backwards as the blade whirred past his face and then buried itself a quarter of an inch deep in a tree. Oh, sorry about that, said Granny Weatherwax. Aren't I a daft old woman? <laughs> Never was any good with anything technical. He grinned at her and tried to pull the axe free. He sank to his knees, his face suddenly white. Granny leaned down until she was level with his ear. You could have seen to the old woman, she said quietly. You could have talked to the wolf. But you didn't, right? He tried to speak, but his teeth didn't seem to want to part. 
I can see you're very sorry about all that, she said. I can see you're seeing the error of your ways. I bet you can't wait to be up and repairing her cottage for her and getting the garden back in good order and seeing she has fresh milk every day and a good supply of wood, right? In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if you wasn't generous enough to build her a new cottage with a proper well and all. Somewhere near the village so she don't have to live alone, right? You know, I can see a future sometimes and I just know what's going to happen, right? Sweat ran off his face. Now his lungs didn't seem to be operating either. And I knows you're going to keep your word and I'm so pleased about it that I'm going to make sure you're especially lucky, said Granny, her voice still in the same pleasant monotone. I knows it can be a dangerous job, wood chopping. People can get hurt. Trees can accidentally fall on them. Or the top of their chopper can suddenly come off and cut their head open. The woodcutter shuddered as Granny went on. So what I'm going to do is a little spell to make sure that none of this happens to you, on account of me being so grateful because of you helping the old lady, right? Just nod. He managed to move his head a fraction. Granny Weatherwax smiled. There, she said, standing up and brushing a speck of leaf mould off her dress. You see how sweet life can be if we all helps one another? The witches left around lunchtime, but then the old woman's garden was full of people and the air with the sound of sawing and hammering. News like Granny Weatherwax travels fast. Three woodcutters were digging over the vegetable plot, two more were fighting to clean the chimney, and four of them were halfway down a new well that was being dug with impressive speed. The old grandmother, who was still the kind of person who hangs on to one idea until another one dislodges it by force, was running out of saucers to put the milk in. The witches sneaked away in all the busyness. There, said Magrat, as they strolled down the path, it just goes to show how people will pitch in and help if only someone sets an example. You don't have to bully people all the time, you know. Nanny Og glanced at Granny. I saw you talking to the head woodcutter, she said. What was you talking about? Sawdust, said Granny. Oh, yes. One of the woodcutters told me, said Magrat, that there's been other odd things happening in this forest. Animals acting human, he said. There used to be a family of bears living not far away. Nothing unusual about a family of bears living together, said Nanny. They're very convivial animals. In a cottage? That's unusual. That's what I mean, said Magrat. You definitely feel a bit awkward about going round to borrow a cup of sugar said Nanny. I expect the neighbours had something to say about it. Yes, said Magrat. They said oink. What did they say oink for? Because they couldn't say anything else. They were pigs. We had people like that next door when we lived at... Nanny began. I mean pigs, you know, four legs, curly tail. What pork is before it's pork? Pigs. Can't see anyone letting pigs live in a cottage, said Granny. He said they didn't. The pigs built their own. There were three of them. Little pigs. What happened to them? said Nanny. The wolf ate them. They were the only animals stupid enough to let him get near them, apparently. Nothing was found of them except their spirit level. That's a shame. The woodcutter says they didn't build very good houses, mind you. Well, it's only to be expected. What would the trotters and all? said Nanny. He says the roof leaks something dreadful right over his bed. 
The witches walked on in silence. "'I remember hearing once,' said Nanny, with the occasional glance at Granny Weatherwax, "'about some old enchantress in history who lived on an island "'and turned shipwrecked sailors into pigs.' "'That's a terrible thing to do,' said Magrat, on cue. "'I suppose it's all according to what you really are inside,' said Nanny. "'I mean, look at Grebo here.' Grebo curled around her shoulders like a smelly fur. "'Purred. He's practically a human.' "'You do talk a lot of tosh, Gither,' said Granny Weatherwax. "'That's cos people won't tell me what they really think is going on,' said Nanny Og grimly. "'I said I'm not sure,' said Granny. "'You looked into the wolf's mind?' "'Yes, I did. Well, then.' Granny sighed. "'Someone's been here before us, passing through. "'Someone who knows about the power of stories and uses them. "'And the stories have, uh, kind of hung around. "'They do that when they get fed.' "'What did anyone want to do that for?' said Nanny. "'Practice,' said Granny. "'Practice? What for?' said Magrat. "'I expect we'll find out presently,' said Granny gnomically. "'You ought to tell me what you think,' said Magrat. "'I am the official godmother round here, you know. "'I ought to be told things. "'You've got to tell me things.' "'Nanny Og went chilly. "'This was the kind of emotional countryside "'with which she was, as Head Og, extremely familiar. "'That sort of comment at this sort of time "'was like the tiny sliding of snow "'off the top branch of a tall tree "'high in the mountains during the thaw season.' It was one end of a process that, without a doubt, would end with a dozen villages being engulfed. Whole branches of the Og family had stopped talking to other branches of the Og family because of a thank-you-very-much in the wrong tones and the wrong place, and this was far worse. Now, she said hurriedly, why don't we... I don't have to explain anything, said Granny Weatherwax. Because we're supposed to be three witches, said Magrat, if you can call us witches, she added. "'What do you mean by that, pray?' said Granny. "'Pray?' thought Nanny. "'Someone has ended a sentence with pray. "'That's like that bit when someone hits someone else with a glove "'and then throws it on the floor. "'There's no going back when someone's ended a sentence with pray.' "'But she tried, anyway. "'How about a nice?' "'Magrat plunged on with the brave desperation "'of someone dancing in the light of their burning bridges. "'Well,' she said, "'it seems to me—' "'Yes,' said Granny. "'It seems to me,' Magrat tried again, "'that the only magic we do is all, well, headology. "'Not what anyone else would call magic. "'It's just glaring at people and tricking them, "'taking advantage of their gullibility. "'It wasn't what I expected when I set out to become a witch.' "'And who says,' said Granny Weatherwax, slowly and deliberately, "'that you've become a witch now?' "'My word, the wind is getting up. "'Perhaps we should,' said Nanny Og. "'What did you say?' said Magrat. Nanny Og put her hand over her eyes, asking someone to repeat a phrase you'd not only heard very clearly but were also exceedingly angry about, was around DEFCON 2 in the lexicon of Squabble. "'I should have thought my voice was clear enough,' said Granny. "'I'm very amazed my voice wasn't clear enough. "'It sounded clear enough to me. "'Looks a bit gusty. "'Why don't we—' "'Well, I should just think I can be smug and bad-tempered and ill-considerate enough to be a witch,' said Magrat. "'That's all that's required, isn't it?' "'Ill-considerate? Me?' "'You like people who need help, because when they need help they're weak, and helping them makes you feel strong. What harm would a bit of magic do?' 
Because it'd never stop at just a bit, you stupid girl. Magrat backed off, her face flushed. She reached into her bag and pulled out a slim volume, which she flourished like a weapon. Stupid I may be, she panted, but at least I'm trying to learn things. Do you know the kind of things people can use magic for? Not just illusion and bullying. There's people in this book that can... can walk on hot coals and stick their hands in a fire and not get hurt. Cheap trickery, said Granny. They really can. Impossible, no one can do that. It shows they can control things. Magic's got to be more than just knowing things and manipulating people. Oh, it's all wishing on stars and fairy dust, is it? Making people happier. There's got to be some of that, otherwise what's the good of anything? Anyway, when I went to Desiderata's cottage, you were looking for the wand, weren't you? I just didn't want it falling into the wrong hands. Like any hands but yours, I expect. They glared at each other. Haven't you got any romance in your soul? said Magrat plaintively. No, said Granny, I ain't. And stars don't care what you wish, and magic don't make things better, and no one doesn't get burned who sticks their hand in a fire. If you want to amount to anything as a witch, Magrat Garlic, you've got to learn three things. What's real, what's not real, and what's the difference? And always get the young man's name and address, said Nanny. It worked for me every time. Only joking, she said as they both glared at her. The wind was rising here on the edge of the forest. Bits of grass and leaves whirled through the air. "'We're going the right way, anyway,' said Nanny madly, seeking anything that would be a distraction. "'Loop, it says Genua on the signpost.' It did indeed. It was an old worm-eaten signpost right on the edge of the forest. The end of the arm had been carved into the likeness of a pointing finger. "'A proper road, too,' Nanny burbled on. The row cooled a bit, simply because both sides were not talking to each other. Not simply not exchanging vocal communication, that's just an absence of speaking. This went right through that and out the other side, into the horrible, glowering worlds of not talking to one another. "'Yellow bricks,' said Nanny. "'Whoever heard of anyone making a road out of yellow bricks?' Magrat and Granny Weatherwax stood looking in opposite directions with their arms folded. "'Brightens the place up, I suppose,' said Nanny. On the horizon, Genua sparkled in the middle of some more greenery. In between, the road dipped into a wide valley dotted with little villages. A river snaked through them on the way to the city. The wind whipped at their skirts. "'We'll never fly in this,' said Nanny, still womanfully trying to make enough conversation for three people. "'So, we'll walk then, eh?' she said, and added, because there's a spark of spitefulness even in innocent souls like Nanny Oggs, "'Singing as we go!' How about it? I'm sure it's not my place to mind what anyone chooses to do, said Granny. It's nothing to do with me. I expect some people with wands and big ideas might have something to say. Huh, said Magrat. They set off along the brick road towards the distant city in single file, with Nanny Og as a kind of mobile buffer state in the middle. What some people need, said Magrat, to the world in general, is a bit more heart. "'What some people need,' said Granny Weatherwax to the stormy sky, "'is a lot more brain.' Then she clutched at her hat to stop the wind from blowing it off. "'What I need,' thought Nanny Og fervently, "'is a drink.' Three minutes later, a farmhouse dropped on her head. By this time, the witches were well spaced out. Granny Weatherwax was striding along in front, Magrat was sulking along at the rear, and Nanny was in the middle.' 
As she said afterwards, it wasn't even as if she was singing. It was just at one moment there was a small plump witch, and the next there was the collapsing remains of a wooden farmhouse. Granny Weatherwax turned and found herself looking at a crumbling, unpainted front door. Magrat nearly walked into a back door of the same grey, bleached wood. There was no sound but the crackle of settling timber. Gifer, said Granny. Nanny, said Magrat. They both opened their doors. It was a very simple design of house, with two downstairs rooms separated by a front-to-back passageway. In the middle of the passageway, surrounded by shattered and termite-ridden floorboards, under the pointy hat that had been rammed down to her chin, was Nanny Og. There was no sign of Grebo. "'What happened?' she said. "'What happened?' "'Er, uh, a farmhouse dropped on your head,' said Magrat. "'Oh, one of them things,' said Nanny vaguely. Granny gripped her by the shoulders. Githa, how many fingers am I holding up?' she said urgently. "'Well, uh, fingers. It's all gone dark.' Magrat and Granny gripped the brim of Nanny's hat and half-lifted, half-unscrewed it from her head. She blinked at them. "'That's the Willow reinforcement,' she said, as the pointy hat creaked back into shape like a resurrecting umbrella. She was swaying gently. "'Stop a hammer blow, a hat with Willow reinforcement. All them struts, see?' distributes the force. I shall write to Mr. Vernissage. Magrat, bemused, looked around the little house. It just dropped out of the sky, she said. Could have been a big tornado or something somewhere, said Nanny Og. Picked it up, see, then the wind drops and down it comes. You get funny things happening in high winds. Remember that big gale we had last year? One of my hens laid the same egg four times. She's rambling, said Magrat. "'No, I ain't. That's just my normal talking,' said Nanny. Granny Weatherwax peered into one of the rooms. "'I suppose there wouldn't be any food and drink about the place,' she said. "'I think I could force myself to drink some brandy,' said Nanny quickly. Magrat peered up the stairs. "'Cooey!' she called in the strangled voice of someone who wants to be heard without doing anything so bad-mannered as raise their voice. "'Is anyone here?' Nanny, on the other hand, looked under the stairs. Grebo was a cowering ball of fur in a corner. She hauled him out by the scruff of the neck and gave him a slightly bewildered pat. Despite Mr. Vernissage's millinery masterpiece, despite the worm-eaten floor, and despite even the legendary thick skull of the Ogs, she was definitely feeling several twinkles short of a glitter, and suffering a slight homesick-tinged dip in her usual sunny nature. People didn't hit you over the head with a farmhouse back home. "'You know, Grebo,' she said, "'I don't think we're in Lancre. "'I've found some jam,' said Granny Weatherwax from the kitchen. "'It didn't take a lot to cheer up Nanny Og. "'That's fine,' she called out. "'It'll go nicely on the dwarf bread.' "'Magrat came into the room. "'I'm not sure we should be taking other people's provisions,' she said. "'I mean, this place must belong to someone.' "'Oh, did someone speak, Githa?' said Granny Weatherwax archly. "'Nanny rolled her eyes.' "'I was merely saying, Nanny,' said Magrat, "'that this isn't our property.' "'She says it don't belong to us, Esme,' said Nanny. "'Tell anyone who wants to know, Githa, "'that it's like salvage from a shipwreck,' said Granny. "'She says, find us keepers, Magrat,' said Nanny. "'Something flickered past the window. "'Magrat went and peered out through the grimy pane. "'That's funny. "'There's a lot of dwarfs dancing round the house,' she said. "'Oh, yes,' said Nanny, opening a cupboard. Granny stiffened. Are they, I mean, ask her if they're singing, she said. They, um, singing, Magrat? 
I can hear something, said Magrat. Sounds like, uh, ding-dong, ding-dong. That's a dwarf song, all right, said Nanny. They're the only people who can make a high hole last all day. They seem very happy about it, said Magrat doubtfully. Probably it was their farmhouse and they're glad to get it back. There was a hammering on the back door. Magrat opened it. A crowd of brightly dressed and embarrassed dwarfs stepped back hurriedly and then peered up at her. Um, said the one who was apparently their leader. Is, is the old witch dead? Um, which old witch? said Magrat. The dwarf looked at her for a while with his mouth open. He turned and had a whispered consultation with his colleagues. Then he turned back. How many have you got? There's a choice of two, said Magrat. She wasn't feeling in a very good mood and wasn't prompted to aid the conversation more than necessary. Uncharacteristic nastiness made her add, free for the asking. Oh, the dwarf considered this. Well, which old witch did the house land on? Nanny? No, she's not dead. She's just a bit stunned. But thanks all the same for asking, said Magrat. That's very kind of you. This seemed to puzzle the dwarfs. They went into a huddle. There was a lot of sotto voce arguing. Then the head dwarf turned back to Magrat. He removed his helmet and turned it around and around nervously in his hands. Um, he said, can we have her boots? What? Her boots, said the dwarf, blushing. Can we have them, please? What do you want her boots for? The dwarf looked at her. Then he turned and went into a huddle with his colleagues again. He turned back to Magrat. We've just got this feeling... Uh, that we ought to have her boots, he said. He stood there blinking. Well, I'll go and ask, said Magrat, but I don't think she'll say yes. As she went to close the door, the dwarf twiddled his hat some more. They are ruby-coloured, aren't they? he said. Well, they're, they're red, said Magrat. Is red all right? They've got to be red, all the other dwarfs nodded. It's no good if they're not red. Magrat gave him a blank look and shut the door. "'Nanny,' she said slowly when she was back in the kitchen, "'there's some dwarfs outside who want your boots.' "'Nanny looked up. "'She'd found a stale loaf in the cupboard and was industriously chewing. "'It was amazing what you'd eat if the alternative was dwarf bread. "'What do they want them for?' she said. "'Didn't say. They just said they had a, a feeling they want your boots.' "'That sounds highly suspicious to me,' said Granny.' Old Shaker Whistley over Creel Springs Way was a devil for boots, said Nanny, putting down the bread knife, especially black button boots. He used to collect them. If he saw you going past in a new pair, he had to go and have a lie down. I reckon that's a bit sophisticated for dwarfs, said Granny. Maybe they want to drink out of them, said Nanny. What do you mean, drink out of them? said Magrat. Ah, well, that's what they do in foreign parts, said Nanny. They drink fizzy wine out of ladies' boots. They all looked down at Nanny's boots. Not even Nanny could imagine what anyone would want to drink out of them, or what they would do afterwards. My word, that's even more sophisticated than all Shaker Whistley, said Nanny reflectively. They seemed a bit puzzled about it, said Magrat. I expect they would be. It ain't often people get a feeling they ought to go round pulling a decent witch's boots off. This sounds like another story flapping around. I think, said Granny Weatherwax, that we ought to go and talk to these dwarfs. End of CD 4